This episode of the MS Dev Show is sponsored by an incredible special offer called the App Quality Bundle. Six leading tools that cover continuous integration, testing and monitoring of your mobile apps, web apps, and APIs. If you're considering just one of these services, buy the bundle and get the other five free. Offer ends April 15th, so don't wait. Check it out at buildbetter.software. Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 50. This week, we talked to Sarah Itani about Node tools for Visual Studio, thoughts after a year of real-world Xamarin, 10 libraries to create diagrams in JavaScript, and Balmer signing mousetraps. So this week, we have Sarah Itani, software engineer on the Node tools for Visual Studio team, and she worked as an intern on the Link and Light Switch teams, and she also worked in research labs covering biology and robotics. And she focused on human computer interfaces for her master's degree. She also worked for a couple of web-based startups. Welcome, Sarah. Hey, good to be here. Yeah, glad to have you on. So, Carl, what do we have for feedback this week? We got feedback from uh, Jason Nguyen uh, on Twitter. He said that he's considering applying uh, at a position um, at Skyline where myself and Lindsay a few episodes back work uh, because we made it sound so awesome. Um, that really wasn't the intent uh, to make everybody <laughs> want to work at Skyline, but I do understand uh, why people would be interested in working at a place this awesome. Um, yeah, I took it offline with him a little bit, and it sounds like he is applying. So uh, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is. Okay. And then I saw this was actually pretty good. I saw a tweet out there from TJ. Oh, this is tough. I think it's TJ McNabbo. Sounds like a. I don't know, from like a 60s cop show or something, but it's pretty cool. Uh, so he uh, he just mentioned to us that um, um, John Sheehan was out there looking for a some podcast to sponsor, and that's where we got our sponsor last week. Uh, we thank him for helping get that uh, process started. And if you want to get mentioned on the show, you can send us feedback at feedback at msdevshow.com. You can comment on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash msdevshow. And we love those iTunes reviews. So leave us a star review or type us out a review. That really helps spread the word about the show. And we really appreciate those. Okay, what do we got for news? Microsoft turns 40, Carl. Yes, it did on uh, on April 4th. And uh, what I think is funny about this is how many Microsoft employees are so busy doing their jobs that they didn't even realize this? <laughs> I, I uh, no way. Didn't. No, no way. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> Email from Bill Gates. Awesome. <laughs> I know. I, I got that. I'm like, like, why would Bill Gates be emailing me? <laughs> That's cool, though. Uh, anything else you want to say about this, Carl? I just, I didn't, I just think it's crazy. I mean, 40 years is a long time. Yeah, it definitely doesn't. I mean, I wasn't around when uh, Microsoft started, but it, it definitely doesn't feel like, you know, a technology company is that old. Yeah. I mean, when you're in technology, you have to reinvent yourself every, at least every few decades. Right. And, um, I think there's, there's been a couple of different phases of Microsoft. So, um, you know, we, we see Microsoft of today is a little bit different than it was, uh, you know, back there in the early days. Yes. And on an unrelated note, this is our 50th episode. Oh, yeah. I didn't even I totally forgot about that. That is pretty cool. 50 episodes. We did it, Carl. Yeah, we turned 50. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah. So speaking of Microsoft and the anniversary and Balmer. So one thing I want to ask you, Sarah, you seem to be obsessed with mousetraps. And uh, we, so we need some explanation on that. And then uh, there's some kind of connection to Steve Ballmer in regards to Mousetraps. So tell us about that. Uh, yeah. So in high school, I was absolutely obsessed with Microsoft. It was insane. I inv- I defended <laughs> Vista. Um, we had I had shouting wow. matches with one of my uh, best friends about uh, Macs versus PCs. 
and they would go on for like hours. And so this is actually how I got into <laughs> um, technology was because I had to learn enough in order to debate this all with him. And so in, I also had this thing with mousetraps where in the physics lab, there was this box of mousetraps and a few friends and I, we would go and uh, construct these like Rube Goldberg devices with these mousetraps. And so I had these two obsessions, Microsoft and mousetraps. And then of course this turned into my senior superlative, which is most likely to take over Microsoft with mousetraps. <laughs> so I figured, okay, well, I'm actually going to live up to this superlative. It's, um, I'm going, like, no one ever really cares about their senior superlative, but I did. And so when I came to intern at Microsoft, um, during my first internship, I started reaching out to um, Steve Ballmer, to Sanofsky, to Don Matrick, you know, a bunch of people around the company asking them to sign a mousetrap for me. And so you just email you just directly email them. I, I it took me four <laughs> hours to write this email to Balmer. Um, yeah. well, okay, it was like an hour to write it, and then four hours to get the guts to hit send. Um, <laughs> and eventually, I was like, oh, you know, what's the worst case scenario? Well, you know, recruiting, like maybe I'll get a slap on the wrist. They're not going to fire an intern for sending an email to the CEO. Like that would be horrible PR. So I thought through all the worst case scenarios. And I send him this email, like saying, hey, can we go grab lunch? He replies back and with, let's catch five minutes. Like, no <laughs> way. So I have a five minute slot on Steve Ballmer's calendar. I showed up like 10 minutes early, of course. And it was actually kind of hard getting to his office because security was like, where, where are you going? I'm like, well, I have a meeting with Steve Ballmer. He's like, no, you don't. <laughs> nice. <laughs> because apparently there have been a lot of interns who, who went and, and tried to get to his office. And okay. so we went, had the meeting, and it, the five minutes turned into 25 minutes. He was late to his next meeting. And uh, I think we also we met every for the two summers after that in various forms. One... Uh, with all of the MIT and UNC interns. Um, so I also had brought a friend along. And then another with just a smaller group during my last internship. So it was, it was pretty cool. Um, but now he has, I think I gave him a copy of my yearbook page from high school where I was super obsessed with Microsoft. I had Microsoft running down the left-hand side of the page, words completing <laughs> it. Like, it was insane. I mean, I'm surprised he didn't get, like, a restraining order or something. Um, that's hilarious. But, yeah, so that was, that. that's that story. And I think that yearbook page somehow made it into the Microsoft archives. We got and an then email he, signed, he signed a mousetrap He signed a mousetrap. Actually, it, I'm, I'm very proud of this, this signature to my successor. Um, oh, so, nice. I know, right? So I just have to go up to Satya now and be like, hey, thanks for <laughs> hey, wanting my seat. I don't seat. think you've seen this contract. <laughs> but, uh... This is totally legally binding. Yeah, that's, that's the plan. What else do we got here? Mono 4, adoption of Microsoft's open source source code. Yeah, looking in the release notes for Mono 4.0, um, one of the items, and it was a, a larger item, was uh, they took the... Uh, the resource code that Microsoft open source and a lot of it, they just copy pasted um, and replaced a lot of their existing code base. Right. Uh, the, one of the ones that they called out in particular is uh, system.decimal. They said there wasn't anything glaring with what they did, but you know, it was hard to work with their implementation internally for themselves and Microsoft's was more efficient. So they just said, let's just use it. And they, yeah, just replace it. And they said uh, for a lot of the other ones, they either did a, in a, an entire or near entire 
copy paste over, you know, their own code for with the reference source. So um, that's why Microsoft put it out there. I mean, they want to be, you know, have the canonical best working versions out there. Yeah, it doesn't help anybody to have, you know, like the, the like you said, the canonical version and then the the secondary version that that is, you know, sort of works the same. So this is this is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, what do we got next? Learn the architecture, not the frameworks. Yeah, I ran across this article uh, last week, and the essence of this is when you're learning uh, something, don't just learn, you know, how to use the exact libraries and implementations that are out there. Don't just, you know. Right. I mean, that lasts you, what, five, it lasts you, what, five minutes? Yeah. I mean, it's not going to get you very far. Um, when you learn, you know, the patterns and practices behind it, that's what's going to, you know, be your bread and butter going forward. You know, when trends move, I mean, you might not be a, you know, a, a .NET developer, an Android developer your entire life. I mean, things might change. And when you go to the new thing, those patterns and practices can go with you. Yeah, he had a good example in here. It was about the, um, uh, you know, the frameworks that let you do um, basically the observer pattern. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've worked with like Knockout. Um, I've done AngularJS. I haven't worked with some of the other ones like um, Backbone. I haven't used um I think there's like Ember and I think those, you know, they obviously have other things that come along with them, but that core functionality of, of, ha- of having that observer pattern in there is, you know, it's common to, to all of them. So if you sort of, I think the point that he's trying to make is if you're using something like knockout, let's say understand kind of the key problem that it's solving there. And then whenever you move to something else, then it's just a matter of saying, okay, well, I'm going to swap this out. I want to use this other library for the same type of observer pattern, but I want to, I'm just going to swap in this other thing and I'm going to learn, you know, the intricacies of how it works. So I, I thought that was pretty good advice. I mean, it's sort of generic and I, actually too, I, I love these articles. Um, this type of article, I always go to the comments because there's always lots of good feedback. Cause anytime somebody makes, you know, a, a giant uh, statement like this, you know, it's always interesting to see like, are people going to agree with it? You know, rip them apart. You know, how's that going to work? And there's always good counter examples too. So I recommend reading the comments on that one. I think one of the tough parts with this is a lot of like if you look at job listings or something, they all mm-hmm. they don't list anything about architecture. It's like, oh, do you know this framework, that framework, and this framework? And it's like, oh, well, I don't check all the boxes. So, do you- well, they also say it requires ten years of Angular experience. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Some thoughts after almost a year of real Xamarin use. Yeah, uh, this is another article kind of in, in a similar vein, but talking in particular about Xamarin, you know, uh, mm-hmm. wherever he works at, they made the switch to Xamarin and there's he just kind of went through and, you know, what are the pros and cons? And, you know, as, as uh, me and you, Jason, we're working a little bit with some uh, Xamarin stuff, you know, mm-hmm. we're early in it. So, you know, what kind of takeaways that does, you know, somebody else who's worked with it a while have and. Mm-hmm. You know, just like anything else, there are some definite pros and you'll hear that from, you know, the Xamarin community. But, you know, it's just as interesting. What are the actual cons? You know, what is hard about it? And I mean, there there are trade offs with it, um, but, you know, we'll leave this in the show notes for uh, you to check out if you're interested in uh, mm-hmm. so some of these cons might not be cons for for you. Um, yeah, I, I think this article was spot on. I think one of the big things that I talk about like that, that he mentions in here is. Under pros, it says, uh, where is it here? Um, he's talking about being able to use all the good stuff in C sharp, like link, um, XML processing, generics. Actually trying to find, yeah, generics. So all the all the awesome stuff in C sharp that you don't necessarily get in uh, Objective C, you get in there. Um, some of the major cons, you know, 
Xamarin causing its own problems. I mean, anytime you're adding stuff like this, you're adding some complexity. Um, and, so they're their own, some of their own bugs. And, and you still have to know the end platform too, just because you're using Xamarin doesn't mean that you can't not learn. Yeah. That was one thing I really found out. I was using Xamarin forms and I think I've talked about on the show, but uh, for people that didn't hear that, I mean, even just a simple list, the thing that I ran into was I dropped a list on a, on a, on a form. I dropped the list control on there and I put some text in there and it was two lines of text worked great on windows phone. I go over to Android and the text is cut off. Here there's a property that says auto size the the row height. Okay, so I turn that on. Now it's fine in Android. It's fine on Windows Phone. Now I go over to iOS and it's not fine. iOS can't have the row size um, automatically change. So you actually have to measure it and and adjust it yourself. So you know even though you're going going against that abstraction in that case, you have this you know additional pain. So even if you're at the Xamarin level, you you still like you said have to understand every platform. You still have to test on every platform and and use some of those tools. Yeah, and I think that, so I actually tried using Xamarin for a little Mm -hmm. while, and I ran into those same issues where, um, you know, I wasn't, I was using it because I wanted to build one app using C Sharp that worked for every single platform. And I think one of the primary challenges is that it sort of looks familiar enough to you that you make assumptions about all of the platforms. And so you don't have that context switch in your mind of, oh, okay, well, this is for iOS and this is for Android because the code looks so similar. And you only find out, oh, well, their app model is totally different when you run into some weird problem. Exactly. And yeah, there's then there's restrictions on the platforms, right? If you if you go in thinking, I'm going to write this thing one time and you test it on one platform and then you think you're good to go and you ship it on the other platforms, you're going to be in for a big surprise. Uh, okay, uh, let's see here. What's new in Windows 10 shortcut keys? Yep. Uh, with the Windows 10 SDK that came out, uh, a lot of people have been digging into some of the new SDKs that are, there are. And uh, I just came across this one. Uh, if you're used to shortcut keys, and I hope everybody is to some degree, um, you can uh, implement that in a Windows 10 app with the Key Accelerator class. And what's nice about it is you can use that in XAML. You can use it uh, in, in just in code. Uh, there's just a couple of quick examples on the blog post that I uh, picked out for this week. And if that's something you're interested in, go check that out. Yeah, I love this. Key equals N, key modifiers equals control. So basically when you hit control N, it will call the pressed event, which is like the simplest thing in the world. This used to be kind of a pain before. So this is pretty cool. Uh, And then the last one here, 10 JavaScript libraries to draw your own diagrams. So this was one I found. I had, uh, I wanted to play around with, um, I actually have had some people ask me about this recently, but I wanted to play around with drawing out a diagram for defining resources and having them connected with, with different relationships. And the one I found was joint JS and this article does talk about that one. And that one is actually super, super powerful and it's pretty easy to use, uh, but it names nine other uh, charting or I shouldn't say charting graphing uh, diagram libraries in here. And uh, it has a nice chart in here too, that comp- that compares, you know, like activity on GitHub, uh, what the licensing is, what level it is, you know, all those types of things, pricing, um, it's just a really nice comparison. So if you want to draw any diagrams uh, in uh, a web page, I recommend taking a look at this. It used to be when I did this back in the day, um, I would generate all this server side in C sharp and pass it over. And I actually remember writing some of the algorithms myself. I had to do the, um, you know, for layout, you had to do like the, uh, you had to model the force of a spring and magnetic attraction. And yeah, this does all that for you. You don't have to deal with any of that low level stuff. Makes your life a lot easier. Okay, 
And now we get to talk to Sarah about something really cool, which is Node Tools for Visual Studio. So Sarah, you and I met, uh, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago. Yep. And uh, you were in, quote unquote, the garage, which is an uh, in, in area at Microsoft where some cool stuff happens. I guess I'll just leave it at that because there's such a wide variety of things that happen at yes, the garage. leave it mysterious. And- yeah, leave it mysterious, the garage. <laughs> and uh, well, it's funny too, hearing like the, the tech press talk about it because they 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 make assumptions about what it is and it's it's pretty amusing uh but it's usually around specific projects so you you had a i don't know what you want to call it would it be like a hack fest or it was just a kind of a gathering of minds to it, to do some testing it was yeah so we had our we were preparing for the 10 release of yep. um node tools for visual studio or ntvs mm-hmm. and um you know we have a small core team so we decided to say hey okay well can, does anyone around Microsoft actually just want to get together with us and help, you know, hack on the product and find bugs and see if there's anything critical that we need to fix? Um, and so it was actually really cool because like 20, 25 people like showed up to this yeah. event. And it was amazing to see this level of support from, you know, random teams at Microsoft who I sent this email out to. Um, and to see how much interest there actually was in in Node internally, um, mm-hmm. and so uh, I think that you know we wanted to sort, sort of turn it into a general Node hack event because that actually went really really well. We were talking with people at the garage and they're like, "Hey, do you want to do another one of these?" And it's like, "Well, sure. You know, we're not going to have another one but it would be great to just do general Node hacking." Um, mm-hmm. And so we met. And it there. helped that you had. Uh, it helped that you had pizza and Nerf guns too. Yes, there was there were <laughs> plenty of there was plenty of pizza, plenty of Nerf guns, um, and those small little Nerf guns really shot fire. That was I think that was my. Yeah, you had the you had the good guns. I mean, you you definitely have an eye for <laughs> Nerf guns. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I was I was going for the six dollar Nerf guns at that point. Um, so and then I had yeah, my friend brought in the like the huge Nerf guns. Um, so it was it was definitely a good a good time, and we stayed there. You know, first we went to a conference room because the garage wasn't wasn't open. We went to the garage later in the afternoon um, and hung out. And um, the other great part about that was we had people, some people who were working on TypeScript stuff, some people who were like everyone was working on different types of projects and had their mm-hmm. own projects coming in. So it was a lot more um, productive than any of the like hack fests we could have done uh, on our own. Um, because we would, oh, well, I, we would never have considered using, putting these two things together. Well, glad that you tried that and we know that it works now. Um, right. So that was definitely pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So we should probably back up for the listeners and, and actually explain (laughs) what the node tools or NTVS, uh, what, what, what is it actually? That is probably a good idea. Um, So NTVS is a free open source extension that turns Visual Studio into a Node.js IDE. Um, so you get completions, you get debugging, you get profiling. We have some cool integration with um, NPM. Uh, all these pieces that, and they're all put together for you in a way um, that means that you don't have to like switch between the 30 tools that you might have to use otherwise. Um, and so it really just brings the magic of Visual Studio to uh, Node.js development. So what's the advantage of using something uh, like uh, Node tools? For Visual Studio over something like Sublime Text. So first of all, Sublime Text on its own isn't going to give you 
completions or debugging or anything like that. And so let's say you want to do debugging while you're using Sublime Text. Well, then you'd probably go out and get a tool called Node Inspector. And then maybe you want to add some plugin for... Uh, then you might want to do have to do profiling, so you go find this other tool that's available, or, or you want to go generate a project, so you start using Yo and Yeoman. So there are like a gazillion tools that are available um, on NPM. So NPM is Node's package manager for anyone who doesn't do any Node development. And there are about 120,000 packages there, ranging from packages that you work into your code uh, to... Uh, actual tools that you use to use uh, to develop in Node, and it—I don't know if anyone's like if any of you guys have tried to configure Vim as a development environment, but it takes like I four haven't. days to get like <laughs> all the settings that you actually want to use. And typically, you just say, "Oh, hey, you know, friend, would you mind just giving me your settings so your config files, um, just so you can get started?" And so I think it helps you get started much uh, more more quickly. Um, it puts all those tools together for you so you don't have, and this is the, sort of the same thing we were talking, so, so you don't have that context switch with, oh, well, now I you know, need to switch over into this other window in order to do debugging. And not, not many people really appreciate this if they're living within like the, the Visual Studio world. But you don't have, uh, um, when you set a breakpoint, um, so setting a breakpoint is actually like an incredible feat uh, in the node world. Like that, that, that is usually sells people on it. It's like, oh, okay, well, you can set breakpoints. Uh, wow, that's amazing. It's, it, it's yeah, that's, that's something that's <laughs> traditionally, yeah, you're right, difficult. And, and so it's like having that integration with trace points, with the conditional breakpoints, with all these things that we take for granted in Visual Studio is really cool. But even just think about, let's take a step back, even just think about setting a breakpoint. Now you mm -hmm. set up. Let's pretend you set a breakpoint in code. You you know move your cursor up a couple lines and you start hitting enter. Now, if you're in Visual Studio, you expect that breakpoint to move along with your code, right? Right, because your editor is combined with your debugger. But when you have yep. these tools that aren't combined with each other, that doesn't happen. And so all of these little pieces that just kind of streamline the development lifecycle, you don't have available to you. Um, and that's not to say that we we actually. Uh, try very hard in order to make sure that people's we know that people are still going to be using external tools. So we make sure um, that those tools are still compatible and work well with Visual Studio. So if you want, you can jump into the command line at any point and start working with whatever tool you have. Um, but then, so you have UI and you have all these things put together when you need it, but hopefully not in a constraining fashion. Yeah. Now this plugin, it really is amazing. I use it. If you look at any of the open source projects and Node.js that I've done recently, I always have the the project file in there um, just because I, I want to make it so that somebody can double click on it, open up in Visual Studio and use it. And that's where I'm actually doing the development. Sublime was always kind of the, the, the easy way to do it before, but now I just do it in Visual Studio. And then like you mentioned, you know, you just hit F5 and, and boom, you're, you're debugging. I had given a presentation, I don't know, probably almost two years ago now on, on Node.js. And I think 10 minutes of that was, you know, how to do debugging in Node.js. And it was, you know, you, you run your script and you have to like set, turn on a breakpoint. And you have to use debug break if you want to hit yeah, anything. You have to like, yeah, you have to expose out like this port for the debugger. And then you could sort of use the Chrome tools, which was really weird, but it worked. Um, and then if you, you know, you'd have to, if 
whenever you wanted to change the code, you'd have to start all over, uh, start that whole process over again. So that that's why, yeah, if anybody tries this for five minutes like that, that you're right, that's what sells it. They just they run that. They hit their breakpoint and done. That's what they're going to use for life. <laughs> the auto completion <laughs> just, just that one too. Feature. That that stuff yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So one thing that I that I I was thinking about that I thought was a little ironic is that the you know the tools are are written in C sharp, which makes sense because they have to plug into Visual Studio, but the tools are actually for Node.js. Um, so I'm kind of curious, what language got you interested in the project? Was it the C sharp side of things, the Node.js things? You know, like what what do you think of that whole situation? That's a that's a funny question because yeah. I mean I. I feel like if I really wanted to do C sharp, there would be lots of places around Microsoft to yeah. to go and do C sharp. It's sort of pretty popular here, so I definitely chose uh, to work on this for the Node um, side of things. And mm-hmm. but kind of taking a step back, it, it's if I had to say whether I chose it for the technologies, it, no, I don't. I don't really enjoy working on. I I, I see technology as a way of actually driving some sort of bigger um, change. And so, so I, I, for me, what was interesting about Node wasn't as much um, the technology behind it. It was like, okay, yeah, that's pretty cool, but there are lots of cool things going on in tech. Um, it was more of the, the community. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was, it's been really interesting to see, and you can see the, this if you just look at NPM's growth, um, you know, that package manager. And... Basically, it there are so many people who are just sharing packages with each other, and that really helps speed up the development uh, life cycle uh, pro- process. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, and what was kind of interesting to it was like, okay, well, that's why is this taking off so much? And you sort of look at how easy it is to create a package. So right. every single thing that you do in Node is a package. You don't like. I think if you wanted to create a NuGet package, you have to go through an extra couple steps. But with Node, you start with that package, and so people publish that immediately. Um, like everything you do is ready to be published and shared with anyone else. Yeah, I was surprised how easy it was after after making a NuGet package because I'm like, oh, NuGet, that's pretty easy. And then I went to make an npm package, and I ran one command line. It's like, oh, you're done. Yep. And it's published. It's like, like oh, oh, it's it's up there. It's <laughs> yeah, it's, okay. That is it. Yeah. And because it's so ingrained, it makes it and that makes it easier for people to actually create these packages. That means that people are doing it more often. It means that people are, it, like this modularization is sort of built into um, the framework is everything is modularized from the start, which means that it's easier to just depend on random packages here and there. And you have this proliferation of, of packages. And so I think that was one of the pieces that really, really impressed me. Um, about Node. And also, again, coming back to this context switch theme, uh, when being able to, when I learned web development, it was very difficult um, to get started. I started, I was like, okay, well, I want to build a website. All right, well, I'll learn some HTML. Okay, now I want to make it pretty. Okay, well, I'll learn some CSS. And now I want to make it do stuff. Okay, I'll learn some JavaScript. And now I want to save stuff. Oh, and then I have to learn a you know PHP and some SQL in order yep. to do any of that. And it's like all of these pieces that you really have to put together in order to just get something very. I just wanted to build a to-do list app. That's all. That's all I wanted to build. And yep. it was this this hassle to just get started into this world. And so anything that kind of like decreases one of those like piece components that you need to like. Oh well, now I have to learn this brand new language. 
um, you know, that, that just resonates with me from a personal level. Yeah, that makes sense. So when I already have an existing node project of my own, how do I get that individual studio using uh, these tools? And is it going to muck with my code in any way? Right. So in Visual Studio, if you look at, you know, C Sharp project, everything starts out in Visual Studio. So it's, you know, you know, you know that question never comes up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with Node, with NTVS, we actually added a, another project template called Create from Existing, um, Node.js code. And so you select that project template, and then you go through the project dialogue in the way that you normally would. A wizard will uh, pop up. I think we kind of like, I forget exactly what we do in code there, but we sort of stop um, the project from being created and pop up this wizard. And it'll, it'll take you through this process of, okay, well, you point it to whatever directory that you want to use. And at the end, it'll generate this NJS proj file, the Visual Studio project file. Um, and it won't muck with your code at all. Uh, like I said, everything is built to work with your... Th- whatever third-party tools are available. Um, you know, we're constantly watching the file system to see if NPM has any changes so that we can display that in the UI. Um, and that's sort of the, the uh, experience that we really strive for. And so that's it. Once you go through this wizard and now you have your project in Visual Studio and it's really easy to always just... Rec- that just provides a little bit of metadata on top of your project, maybe pointing to whichever node path, if you have a weird node path for, that you're using for that project and we can't find it in your environment variables, um, or if you are, you know, want to run some script arguments or something like that for that project, but you can always just recreate the project, take that code, recreate the project again, um, wherever you are. That's cool. Yeah, it's, it's a piece of cake. But then how are things like uh, the build systems like Grunt and Gulp handled? Again, that's so that's um, like we do try and work with uh, whatever tools are available. And so Grunt and Gulp are a couple that, you know, we make sure to be compatible with. We work with them in a couple of ways. Um, The first is through NTVS. You can actually specify a Grunt or Gulp task in um, if you open up your project file, uh, you can actually specify to run a Grunt or Gulp task on build. And that'll enable you to use those rather than, you know, using something like MS build. And if you want to uh, have like a little bit of additional UI there, we don't support that, but there's this really cool, uh, I think it's called task, uh, man, I I forgot what the name was. There's this really cool extension. We actually linked to it from uh, the Visual Studio homepage. I'm looking it up right now. Um, Task Runner Explorer, um, which will basically give you a UI on top of Grunt and Gulp um, if you want that extra bit of integration. Oh, so you can use these together then? Yep, you can use those together. Very cool. Okay. That was one question that I had for sure. Yep. Okay, cool. And then uh, what about unit tests? So if I have some unit tests already in there or I want to create some new ones, how does this integrate with that? So we have uh, um, integration with Mocha, uh, which is the most popular unit test framework and for Node. And all it takes is installing Mocha, throwing your unit test files in there, specifying them to be unit tests. And then the, the test explorer will just discover them and you can run them and have the same UI that you have in Visual Studio showing 
you know, your uh, run tests and your pass tests, and you can even go and right-click debug test, um, you know, what, whatever you choose. And so you have that Visual Studio goodness on top of all of this. Yeah, that and that is awesome. That that's that's another thing that's really difficult to do. Anything debugging really with Node is always kind of a pain. <laughs> Anything to me. debugging, yeah. Yeah, but any, you know, if I can set a breakpoint in my tests and then say debug tests, I love that. That's so useful. Debug breakpoints, and then you have the conditional breakpoints and trace points as well. So even if you're still mm -hmm. addicted to print line statements, we actually have uh, support for that. Hey, Carl, I gotta interrupt this for a second. We have a sponsor this week that has a really, really great deal for us. Um, this is an app quality bundle, which actually fits in really good with the theme of this show. Basically, if you, uh, if you care about quality at all, you need to check this out. So this is the ultimate tool set for building better software. And this has six different tools for one low price. So when, when I got this, I sent it to you. So the URL is buildbetter.software. Which is awesome. Yeah, that is really, I didn't even know you could get dot software. It's very cool. So if you go out to that site, um, you'll look, this is a, a, this bundle costs 999 bucks. And at first I was like, wow, that's, that's a lot of money. If you look at what you get on this thing, um, this is, this is really insane. This actually comes with six different products and each of these products, uh, is normally well over a thousand dollars by themselves. Essentially, if you buy any individual one, you might as well get this pack because you're getting the other five for free with it is exactly what it, what it comes down to. Yep. So let's just walk through these. So we have a uh, code climate, which is automated code review. And um, that's normally uh, 1188 value. Uh, there's also run scope that which does API monitoring and testing. It's a great product. Uh, that one for a one year medium subscription would normally be 2388. So $2,388 for the year. So even if you're just going to get the run scope tool, you can get it for $9.99 through this deal. Another one, Ghost Inspector for automated web testing. Uh, Xamarin Test Cloud, which is really cool. I think we've talked about that a little bit, or actually we're going to be talking about that in a future episode. Um, yeah. You actually test your application against uh, over a thousand devices. On actual mobile hardware. On actual mobile hardware. So they have, I think, a library of 1,400 Android devices there that you can test against. You get back the screenshots. That is a really cool product that we're going to talk about uh, more eventually. Uh, another one, Circle CI. So this one is for continuous deployment. Uh, so a free year of that included in this. And then Sentry, which is for modern exception tracking. Um, so being able to see things in real time. So again, if you have at all been thinking about buying any one of these six products, uh, this is an amazing, amazing deal. $9.99 for the entire bundle. Uh, this is you're saving 89%. This would normally cost you $9,312. This is this is like the the deal of the century. This is for a limited time. Uh, this ends on April 15th. So, you know, whenever you're listening to the show, you don't you only have a few days to act. I would go out and check this out at buildbetter.software. So, the Node community recently has had a little bit of a split. So, how does the Node tools handle support for IOJS? Um, so yes, the, 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 there is a bit of a split. <laughs> uh, we do hand, we do, uh, allow you to use IOJS, uh, with a node project, uh, with an, with an NTVS project. And all that takes is going in and configuring, um, your project, 
uh, again, this all comes down to this project file. This is one of those pieces of metadata that you can configure. Either you can somehow put IOJS into the correct path and NTVS will discover it automatically. Or, and this is the more common approach, just set it in the project file um, to that, the no set the node path in the project file to the IOJS path. And then we don't support um, ES6 completely yet. We support some things in the editor. We support um, let statements, uh, ES6 generator uh, functions, and um, and like const. But we we don't um, we won't provide in Telesense for anything else. And then there are some ES6 usages that will actually break. Um, IntelliSense and you have to say, okay, well, just ignore this file for analysis um, if you want to, if you don't want it messing up some of your IntelliSense there, or you don't want any of those red squigglies or anything. Um, and so that's something that we are focusing on, but that's the, the primary, uh, I guess, lack of support with IOJS, but it, just because they enabled uh, all these ES6 features. Um, one of the tough parts about NTVS has definitely been one of the biggest challenges has, you know, been things like the split or just even, you know, barring the split, uh, things like, oh, well, the debugging and profiling APIs aren't stable. So, oops, breakpoints just broke um, with the newest release of Node. And so building on top of, you know, Node is a moving platform, NPM is a moving platform, and now, you know, the split makes it move even more. And... Um, Visual Studio as well. You know, we, we didn't even get to focus on 2015 yet for, for this release. Uh, we have a dev build available, but um, we haven't actually put much testing into it yet. And so that, if anything, um, just building on top of a moving target like that has definitely been the biggest challenge in keeping up with all of the releases. Things are definitely, um, it, it seems like start, they're, they're starting to stabilize much more now. NPM has some better... Um, before, the only way we could actually get the list of NPM packages, I think, was by running NPM uh, ls. Uh, no, so NPM search in the command line um, mm -hmm. and parsing the output. Oh, capture the output. <laughs> in order to, to get the packages into our UI. So nice. now we can actually download a full um, uh, JSON file with all of this, except now the problem is that NPM has grown like to be totally massive and they don't have any search APIs. And so now this file that you download in order to start searching for NPM packages and the command line, NPM command line has the same issue as well. Um, uh, you have to, uh, so in order to, to actually start searching, you have to wait for this 80 megabyte download to happen. And the yep. NPM is coming out with a search API at some point in the future. So that should handle. Yeah, I mean, that's, that. yeah, they have to, I mean, they have to solve that at some point being able to, you know, get those and maybe chunk them or something like that, right? Yep. And so all of these, and then now, for instance, NPM, which is going to be great for Windows. I'm super excited about this. They've mm -hmm. said that they're switching to a flat node modules directory. Um, I know, right? So the paths won't be too long <laughs> yes, anymore? Yes, so the paths will not be too long. You don't have module A depending on module C, depending on module D through Z. Yeah. And of course, your, fi your file system reflecting that exact thing. They're going to have a flat node modules directory. Um, this is all planned, right? They've been planning this mm -hmm. for a while, so I don't know when it's going to actually happen. 
Um, but they'll have a flat. I actually saw, I actually saw something. I think it was today talking about a tool to flatten out your node modules folder. There is, there are a couple of tools. Um, the issue with that is they'll flatten out your folder, but mm -hmm. then let's say you want to uninstall one of those files. I don't think it keeps the, the directories like, or maybe it does. <laughs> so this is like DLL hell again. I think so. Um, and so, yes, it will work. Um, I mean, this is what NPM dedupe does, right? Like okay. it goes and it deduplicates all of your packages. And yeah. I don't know which one you're, you're talking about. I've heard of flattened packages recently, so I don't know the specifics of how they deal with, you know, actually installing a package and managing the dependencies. Yeah. But NPM plans to have the flat node modules dependency. And then if you do an NPM LS, then you'll be able to see that tree view. So this is going to be great for Windows, but now I'm also thinking like, oh, well, now we have to change the way that we do, um, like we discover packages for analysis and for the NPM uh, view. And so yeah. it's like, oh, okay, well, this is going to be great, but another, another pretty, another big change there. Yeah, it sounds like there's no lack of work. Oh, no, not at all. Not, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> okay, so what about uh, TypeScript support? We've got it. Um, we actually defer to the, um, you know, we integrate with the TypeScript compiler. We integrate with um, the IntelliSense that they get there. Uh, you will not get IntelliSense on uh, packages without the DTS files. Um, okay. And so that's just, but that's more of, I guess, a TypeScript thing. In JavaScript, we figure this all out for you. and mm -hmm. um, But they're separate IntelliSense engines, so we can't quite combine all of this I stuff gotcha. together. Yeah, because I had a I had a Node.js project. I brought it into Visual Studio, which was like magic. And then I went I went to file new TypeScript, and uh, I was sort of expecting to have to install something TypeScript related. But I um, I pasted some code in. Um, I hit run, and it actually worked. And it generated the JavaScript, and it it just made everything magically work. And I think that's that's really the the power of this add-in is is wiring up some of that stuff because it's just all these things that are normally kind of a hassle. TypeScript isn't too bad, but I mean, you have to, you have to install the TypeScript package and then you have to, you know, figure out how you run that as part of your build process or as a watcher or something like that. So this just made it so I didn't even have to think about how it worked. It just worked. Yep. And I think you actually probably had TypeScript installed before installing NTVS. That's my guess. Um, oh, is that, uh, th did I, maybe I had it installed? That's the only way that you're going to get the templates. So okay. we look to see whether TypeScript is installed. Maybe I did. Um, so you must have had TypeScript installed there, but even oh, okay. then it's only like a couple of, of It steps. seemed like magic to me, so I was happy. <laughs> oh, good. I'm I sorry don't care how it happened. that for you. <laughs> I'm no, talking now, down. Now I know if they're down. not there. <laughs> yes, it's not. <laughs> no, that was pretty cool. Uh, and then I noticed um, that this ties in with the Visual Studio profiling features to track down performance issues. Yep. Um, so can you tell me about that? So again, so the debugging and profiling, this all just you know, works with the V8 APIs. And we give you the profiler, I think with Visual Studio, we're actually using an older version of the Visual Studio profiler, but still all of the same um, uh, pieces are there. And so with profiling, you can just run your, you know, you can go to, pro, you know, start profiling Node.js app, similar to how you would run um, profiling for any .NET based project. And um, once that launches, you can start playing around with your app. You know, maybe if it's a browser app, you'll refresh your browser a few times and um, then be able to view the profile and you have a graph of um, the clock time um, 
and you know CPU usage and uh, be able to look through and find hot paths in your code and say, oh, okay, well, this function is taking up uh, a long time and really narrow down some of those performance issues there. Um, so you awesome. have a call tree view, you have, you know, all of, again, it's, it's a lot of the stuff that you would be familiar with in um, C Sharp. And what we've done is take the output from the Node APIs and kind of wrangle them to fit into Visual Studio. Um, yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, are there any other cool features that I might not have discovered yet? Let's see. Cool features that you might not have discovered. Um, let me think. Uh, have you done remote debugging yet? No. How do you do that? Um, so it's a little bit easier with Azure apps, um, but basically we have this script that you can run um, on. It doesn't even, you don't even have to use Azure. You don't have to use Windows. You can, be a, you can remote debug from Visual Studio to Linux, to Mac, um, to wow. to a Windows, obviously. Um, and uh, all it takes is running a script on that side to expose a, a, on the remote spectrum to... I'm making hand gestures and I realize you can't actually see them. Uh, <laughs> I, I, can, I can hear them. You can hear them, yes. <laughs> I can hear the air hear whooshing. The, no. <laughs> the air and Bernoulli and yeah. <laughs> yep. There's a little bit of a Doppler effect. <laughs> and... <laughs> And so uh, we, and, and so you run this script on the remote uh, side and on your remote machine, and that'll expose uh, the right ports. And then you'll just be able to um, attach the debugger from Visual Studio, and so you'll get breakpoints and everything that you want to use, except you're actually working with a remote machine. And wow. yeah, it's a pretty cool. And so we, and the reason we have this is because a lot of people are developing on Windows, but they might be deploying to um, Linux. And so I think we did some informal survey. Well, yeah, this should work with like the Raspberry Pi, right? Yep. That is really cool. So does it work even if it's a different architecture, I assume? Um, I'm so not entirely ARM, familiar. I, I'm just trying to make things complicated. I, yeah, you are. Uh, I remember <laughs> that uh, they're, they're, I think I was talking to some um, other group at Microsoft who is working with like, like who's just surprised to like oh wow it just worked with like this you know like device that that I, I forget whether it was like a raspberry i don't know what it was um mm -hmm. they just described some device it was like whoa that's that's cool we we haven't actually tried it with that but i'm glad that it works um yeah i would think it would work against arm because if it's just using like kind of the standard uh no debugging under the hood i mean it's not it's actually just passing back and forth you know information about that debug well, I think, session i think it's, that exposing the uh, yeah, I have I have no idea about ARM. I okay, I'll have to try that because that would be that'd be a really neat scenario. But still, being able to like deploy to Azure as an example, and and anytime you're you're deploying to like a remote environment, it's usually not the local environments that are the problem. It's it's whenever you go up to like Azure yep, or something. Works like that. on my machine. Yeah, something works a little bit different whenever you deploy it up there. So that remote debugging is uh, is is awesome. Yeah, it's pretty. I think there is one time where uh, yeah, so so. so the remote debugging is pretty cool. Um, let's see what other neat uh, features have might you have not discovered yet. Um, how often do you? This is kind of like a tiny little thing, but people really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. um, how often do you go and and like manage your npm um, dependencies? Yeah. Well, you're not necessarily one at the root of your project, but the ones that yeah. like with you know navigating to whatever. Uh, Oh, navigating through Explorer yeah. and finding the right one. 
Uh, not too often, but I'm probably not as hardcore as most. Okay. Whoever comes to know there, it. <laughs> there are some people who like, we came out with that was like it was. I was surprised to see that it was like, wow, I absolutely love this. And so you can right click mm-hmm. in Solution Explorer and okay. uh, on any of the node the, the npm dependencies and end up at in in File Explorer. Um, and open that folder and file. Oh, that's handy. Yep. And so it's that's like for people handy. who do this really often, it's it's one of those little bits of you know adding UI where it makes sense, mm-hmm. um, and kind of working with npm. It's a command line tool, but we built this on top of it so that it you can you know you can use the UI to search for packages, but then if you want to install packages, you can drop down into the command line or into the interactive window. Have you used the .npm command in the interactive window? Uh, I didn't, but you used my computer and showed me how it worked. Oh, right. I remember that now, yeah. Um, so that, you're, you're trying to fix something I broke, I think. Yeah, that is one of the less discoverable of features, unfortunately. Um, and so if you type, while you're in Visual Studio, you don't even have to open up a command line. You can just type .npm and whatever um, commands you want to use from the Node interactive window that we have. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So a bunch of like little things like that, which I think just make the overall. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's just well, it's a nice polished environment for yeah. working with Node. Yeah. I see that the tools are open source on GitHub and that uh, even <laughs> as even this morning, you're accepting a community uh, pull request. What yes. does some, yeah. What is somebody who wants to be a contributor? What what should they look for? What should they know? Um, so we have uh, definitely, I think, one of the the tougher parts for us about having got about getting contributors is I think we mentioned this earlier is this divide between C sharp and node um, you know the, the code base is in C sharp but then it's node tooling and so um, a lot of our users they are familiar with node but not with C sharp um, and so in order to uh, yeah we actually just moved to github also um, about like maybe let's see it was not this past Friday the Friday right before okay. um, and uh we're starting to get a bunch of issues and stuff there, and we did take a pull request this this morning. And so, what to actually know? Um, I think that the best thing to do is pick out a couple issues, which uh, you know look kind of. I think we're going to start marking some of these issues as you know easy or up for grabs, grabs to kind of give people a. We're not doing this yet, but to give people a um, headway into actually um, into uh, actually working on the tools themselves. Um, and so if you just go through and see, oh, okay, well, you know, TypeScript, add menu items should have more options. And then you can say, oh, okay, well, I'm looking at one of the issues here. And it, it says that we have this context menu and it needs to have more options. And um, you can go and you like, oh, okay, so where are those options coming from? You know, I see some string over here. Um, why don't I try searching for it somewhere and see if that lands me to where I might want to add another option to this context menu. And so there are just ways to, that you can start exploring and say, oh, okay, wh- where is this code even coming from? That's probably the fir- good first place to start. Um, and then the other thing is if you, know, you hit any issues um, while you're actually working with your code, right? It, the best thing to do is scratch your own itch, right? That's the best way to get into any of this. Um, and so you can say, oh, okay, well... Um, you know, I really am frustrated with this. I wish I had like a button that did this. Well, go add one, right? Like go play with the code. We'll help you out if, you know, you have any questions. If you want to ask, just ask us, hey, you know, do you know like where, like I want to modify or I want to ex- like NTVS so that it can do X. Um, or I, w- I really, really want to fix this issue. Where do you think I should start? And we'll 
tell you, hey, you, like it, here's you know this method is probably a good place to start. If you set a few breakpoints over here, um, then you can start figuring things out. So there are a lot of ways to get involved depending on what um, on what level of involvement you want, on on how much familiarity you might have, um, etc. But yeah, we absolutely would love um, contributors because, like we, like I said, we have a ton of work to be done. And unfortunately, we it, there's people are using so many different types of tools and like other mm -hmm. things with NTVS that we cannot uh, possibly cover that entire like infinite space of things that people want. Right. Um, and so, yeah, if if there's something that is particularly bugging you, then uh, we're happy to accept pull requests. Yeah, that was that, our first pull request on GitHub this morning. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so can you tell me what you're working on the next few months? Maybe, you know, what's on your roadmap? Yeah, so it's we're still figuring a lot of this out. Um, the first thing is we want to finish this migration over to GitHub. Um, right now, for, the, for this week, um, I'm heads down on formatting issues because the formatter is one of those areas where if you, like, touch one thing, then it affects, like, ten other things. And so we get like to get those issues fixed um, before, you know, like very early on. So we have plenty of time to actually work with it and, and test it. Um, and then as far as the next release goes, we're going to be focusing on um, Visual Studio 2015. So our previous release focused on 2012 and 2013. Um, and we have always had the dev build out for 2015, but haven't got much time to actually test. So I think our first thing to figure out is, oh, how, how bad does our situation look with 2015? I mean, we do have people using it and there aren't that many issues that have cropped up. Okay. So, so it just, it just sort of works out of the box. It, it just so it needs, might just, but it's, it's an unknown right now for us. Okay. So yeah. we just need to spend some time poking at it, figuring out, okay. Cause a lot of people they'll use it, but they won't use all of the features that are available. Right. Um, and so, oh, okay, we'll make sure that profiling works. Make sure that these features that might be lesser known and don't get as much uh, playtime actually work. Um, okay. And then, of course, just these miscellaneous bug fixes. Uh, for the future releases, this is the part where we are still sorting things out. Um, I think some of the big issues, and now I'm just sort of brain dumping, um, that are, <laughs> are on, uh, at least in my mind at the moment, are... Um, you know, with IntelliSense, th there's some like kind of bigger uh, architectural issues. And so we have to figure out how to balance those with everything else. Um, and so with IntelliSense, for instance, I mentioned that um, we have separate IntelliSense engines for TypeScript. And we actually built mm -hmm. our own engine from scratch because JSLS, which is what you'll use if you're using JavaScript anywhere else in Visual Studio, was built primarily for browser-side code. And the problem with that is that you don't have like 75 megabytes of JavaScript on the browser side. Right. That, that won't happen. Um, and so we, like, we built our own engine, but now there are some... Um, but now that means if you want to work with some client-side code, uh, you need like a little bit of an extra configuration step. And so we'd want to streamline that experience a little bit more to make it easier for full stack that devs because it's not entirely intuitive what to do. Um, and then there's some things around the project file system, um, which I think that some people who aren't necessarily in the Visual Studio space get confused about what it means to include a file or to exclude a file. And it would be good to just have everything included by default 
um, mm -hmm. and then have the project file define some sort of metadata that says, okay, well, um, d like I don't want this folder included, just exclude it from the project. I don't want it searched. I don't want it indexed or anything like that. Um, and so there, there are a few kind of areas like that which uh, would definitely be uh, good to to iron out. Um, as far okay. as features, I think we're still. It's it depends on what people want, and we're still trying to piece the, like really piece things together. But overall, just streamlining. Um, you know, maybe some like more increased gulp and grunt integration. Yep. Um, you know, there, are, there again, there are a lot of really cool things that we could do, and so it's a matter of okay, what what is you know, what, what are people most interested in of all of these things? How are we going to best, um, what, what are the things that we can do to best really streamline and the, the experience? Perfect. Um, it's so pretty it's exciting. Keep getting better and better. Oh yeah, absolutely. This is only the beginning. I'm, I'm right. super excited. Uh, <laughs> well, it's also because we spent so much time stabilizing this release. Um, yeah. like, cause again, like no change something though. And, and now we're broken again. So we have to go and fix everything up again. Um, that it would be really great to oh and then maybe like sorry i'm just like thinking of like wow we have a lot of cool things to do. <laughs> um like kind of a medium intellisense mode where you get completions but they're not necessarily syntactically correct so that would be better for people who have uh who have cpu constraints or something like that um and so it, it yeah there are a lot of really exciting things um definitely uh, so hopefully some that. of our listeners will go out there and start building some of these. Things. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I just told you about, <laughs> about all the ones that I like aren't actually that, I don't know. They're interesting to me. I don't know if they're interesting to anyone else, uh, okay. but, uh, it's on GitHub too. You probably get is, some, it is on GitHub and we have, yeah, we have a lot of issues still on, on CodePlex still. So migration is happening. Um, but yeah, we got a, a pull request on GitHub, like the couple like days after we moved and we haven't actually really announced this yet. Mm -hmm. um, or made any sort of like, we haven't tweeted about it or anything. So, um, well, hopefully now you'll see some from our listeners. Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. That'd be fantastic. Yep. And then one other thing I wanted to ask you about, you had mentioned that you wrote, uh, Tinder for pull requests for April <laughs> fools. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what was that all about? Um, so in honor of this move to GitHub, um, it was sort of on my mind. It's like, man, we're going to get a lot more pull requests now, aren't we? Um, wouldn't be, and you know, it, that's going to be harder to manage and it would be really great if and I had a friend who was, you know, accepting pull requests from his phone. Um, and so I was like, oh, you know, I kind of put these two things together. It's like, oh, it would be totally awesome if, you know, we really like made this experience easier. And what if you could just swipe to accept mm -hmm. pull requests. So I built this, <laughs> I, I, I took actually the day before April Fool's Day off. I took Tuesday off. Um, and I think I'm going to make this a tradition. Just take the day before April Fool's Day off. <laughs> maximum, You're committed. I am, right? For maximum impact. Um, and so I built a Tinder. I learned some iOS development. I hadn't actually done that before outside of the context mm -hmm. of Xamarin. And... Um, Man, I missed Visual Studio like while while using it. Oh, I'm was, sure. Oh my gosh! Like it, it was, it, yeah, it was. Uh, it really made me appreciate what I had, um, and and so I wrote this app that does exactly that. You swipe right to accept a pull request, and you swipe left to merge it. And that'll actually pull it, uh, the GitHub APIs <laughs> and 
grab all of this. <laughs> so. That's pretty cool. Is that in GitHub? Uh, it is not. I I need to figure. You got to get that in GitHub. I, I have to get this in GitHub. It has to. So yeah, this is actually the first. Uh, I've just been showing it around to people here. Okay. Yeah, um, I want to see that. But yeah, that's maybe a nice little video teaser video or something too. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but cool. it also took some time to get like approved for the App Store, and uh, that's. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Like I want it to be a real app now. So. Cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch out for that. I'd like to see that yeah, on GitHub. Yeah, it's, it's the next big thing. So this whole NTVS thing is cool, but... <laughs> yeah, but this is, this is bigger. <laughs> we buried the, the lead. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, well, let's move on to the Azure pick of the week. Uh, so I just wanted people to check this out. This is something new. It's the Azure Resource Explorer. So it's a new tool to discover the Azure API. And you can actually go out to... Let me get the address correct here. We'll have a link to... Um, uh, the post introducing this in the show notes um, and this whole project's out in GitHub, but you can also just go to resources.azure.com and you can actually see this thing out in production. And uh, as long as you're logged into Azure, you can actually explore the API and all the resources out there. So I recommend checking that out. And uh, there's also a, a screencast out there where you, uh, David Ebo, he is a for, he was a guest on the show a few episodes ago. Um, he created a, an awesome video giving an overview of this. And Carl, what do we have for the app of the week? Yes, I, I have a slight caffeine problem. So this one helps fuel that. Um, <laughs> it's called Starbucks Locator for Windows Phone. And uh, it uses your location and it helps you find the, uh, the closest Starbucks. Uh, what's also good about it is it uh, gives you turn-by-turn -turn, uh, directions. It tells you the capabilities of Starbucks. <laughs> so if you need some food with your caffeine, uh, you can find that out. Um, you can put your Starbucks cards in there if you have Starbucks cards and use your phone to pay. Um, it's pretty well done. And once again, uh, it was written by a former guest of the show, Lance McCarthy. Uh, and this was, uh, recently got a big UI, uh, upgrade. So he, yeah, put, I was going to say, I saw this a long time ago and this looks totally different now. Yeah. He, he put a lot of work into this one. Uh, oh yeah. Very cool. Wait, does Starbucks okay, so, like expose those APIs? That's what I was wondering too, how he gets the data. I don't know. He claims that he's more accurate than Google or Bing. Wow. So maybe, maybe he's just scraping, you know, <laughs> He's scraping, yeah. That's that's probably the case. Small enough that uh, that they don't mind it. <laughs> yep. Okay, so we play a game on the show that you're not familiar with, but you're going to learn now. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, Sarah, I need you to pick a number between one and four. 3.14. Uh, so, three. Okay, then you got to answer the question. <laughs> Would you rather live in a world with no chairs or a world with no tables? Uh, a world with no chairs. I'm not really a huge fan of chairs. Okay. Um, and tables can sort of act like chairs as well. And you can also like kind That's of point. take tables apart more easily. And like you could have this thing that rolls. And yeah, I think that tables are just <laughs> a better. I love the engineering approach to it. <laughs> well, I could modify a table. Plus, plus it would be way easier to get my request for a standing desk approved. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, otherwise you'd be. Okay, so Carl, pick a number between one and four. One. Okay, would you rather jump into a bathtub of ice water or jump into a bathtub of warm egg salad? Uh, ice water, I, uh, egg salad. <laughs> <Gross>. <laughs> good choice, good choice. Okay, Sarah, thank you uh, for coming on. Where can people find you if they want to learn more? So I'm on Twitter. Uh, my username is Mousetraps, and you can remember that from the story. Yep. And uh, otherwise, uh, it would be great to see you on GitHub. Um, so our GitHub URL is Microsoft slash Node.js tools. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, if you want to make pull requests or you know have some issues to report, it would be great to hear from you. Perfect. And Carl, where can people find you? You can find me at wpdevguy.com or on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. And you can find me at ytechie.com or at Twitter at twitter.com slash ytechie. And again, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. This is a really cool project that I, I think anybody who's doing Node.js work that um, enjoys Microsoft tooling, uh, namely Visual Studio, they should definitely check this out. So thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. And thanks for coming to our bug bash earlier. Be sure to subscribe by searching for MS Dev Show in your favorite podcasting app. Leave us a review at iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or your podcast aggregator of choice. Visit us at msdevshow.com where you can leave comments, check out our links, show notes, and more. Visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash msdevshow. You can send us your comments and feedback directly to feedback at msdevshow.com. 